Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Williams. This is the progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, conservative, or otherwise, you get to air your point of view. Remember, you can also send me a tweet to E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is... At Egberto Williams. Let us engage. It is politics done right. One, two, three, four. Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for spending this time with me. Today we're going to have a great show. We're going to be discussing the health care bill. We're going to be discussing pieces of it, and we're going to be discussing pretty much the evil within the Trump administration. So stick with, stick with me. We're going to have a great show. I hope that you remember that this is also a call-in show. You can give us a call at uh, 646-929-2495. Again, that number is 646-929-2495 if you want to be a part of the discussion so that you would be on air as well as here on Facebook Live. As you can see, the, one of the topics today is Trump care. Trump care. Trump care. Hello, Marianne Castiglia. Hello, Darius, I'm uh, Michael, Tom Hines, welcome aboard, Chris K. Hill, my regular, uh, John Green, and everybody else. Thank you for being a part of the show. Please do remember to share these shows also. Please do remember to like the page. Like the page. That way you're made aware whether you're on or not when we're going to have a show. Uh, on Thursday as well, we're going to have a great show at KPFT 90.1 here in Houston. That will be simulcast as well on Facebook Live. Well, anyhow, what are we going to talk about? Paul Ryan's, well... Actually, we're going to talk about first, Trump care is a fraud. Obamacare is not, as you heard, in a death spiral and high-risk pools. That magical thing, that magical thing that they tell you is going to take care of those with pre-existing conditions now, it's a fraud. It's yet another corporate giveaway in, an, in very nice closing. What happens the way Republicans do things is they do things in a manner that shields them from the reality of what is occurring. Remember those Blue Skies Acts, the act in Congress that really allowed more carbon to be thrown into the air? Same thing with high-risk pools. Same thing with their, their medical, uh, their, their Trump care. What Trump care does, of course, hi, Luan Gutierrez-Thomas. Uh, what, what this does to um, our Trump care does is it's really a tax break for the wealthy. In other words, they're saying, we don't want the wealthy to have to pay their fair share. They, 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 they make a lot of money, uh, not because they deserve to make the money, just because of how the system works. And I'll explain a little bit about that if somebody decides to say, well, they earned that money. They should be able to keep the money that they earn. Um, we designed a financial system, folks, that assigned worth where it's not, where it doesn't belong. So therefore, if a stockbroker tells you, I don't want to pay all that, those taxes, I earned my money. Did he really earn that money? Is it really his did he really do something for society that ensures that he should have the right to hold on to that money somehow that he did? Those are issues that we can discuss going forward. Good morning, Lisa Hollister from the great Washington state. I love Seattle, Washington. I, I, I just think it's, it just amazes me that a place so cold compared to Texas can be so green. Beautiful place. Anyhow, folks, Trump care is a fraud. Obamacare is not in a death spiral. And high-risk schools are corporate welfare. The GOP misinformation on health care continues. Trump care is a fraud. Obamacare is not in a death spiral. High-risk schools are a method to give insurance companies a financial windfall. A financial windfall. It is corporate welfare. Republicans are attempting to execute one of the largest swindles, the largest fraud, 
on the American people. And this isn't hyperbole, folks. I actually wish this was hyperbole, the way that I stated these things, the way that I'm saying these things. I wish it really was hyperbole. Unfortunately, it is not. It is the absolute truth. Now, whether one wants to accept that or not, it's your choice. Those of us that are ahead of the curve are trying to prevent us from slumping into that area where we then pay the price. What are we doing here? Why do we have shows like this? Why do we have the KPFTs of the world? Why do we have the coffee parties of the world? We are trying to, we are trying to inform before it is too late. We're trying to tell people that we must get serious about engaging in our body politic. Hi, Laurie, how are you doing? So it is important that we follow, follow the path, follow the crumbs, follow all these things to see exactly what's going on in society. But folks, for the regulars of the show, do you know what time it is? It's time for the weekly blog post. All right. This blog post is titled, and, you know, it's a subset of what we want to talk about today, right? It's a subset, but it's an important subset because a very high percentage of American citizens have pre-existing conditions. You have a back problem, you have a pre-existing condition. You have high blood pressure, you have a pre-existing condition. You have a slight bit of excess sugar in your blood, you have a pre-existing condition. You have uh, eye dryness, you've got a pre-existing condition. Anything that you have that you've ever seen a doctor for can be considered a pre-existing condition. And in the past, before Obamacare, before the ACA, they could use that to deny you coverage. But with Obamacare, they couldn't do that. So insurance companies really had to manage risk. They really had to make deals to get you taken care of. They really had to adjust the drug prices. They really had to adjust all these things because now every, now it really was a business, right? It wasn't just taking your money, taking your premiums and turning it into profits because that is what insurance is. For those of you who follow the show know that I'm completely against health insurance companies. I think we should have a single-payer healthcare system, but we'll go into that later on. Well, but here's the title. Paul Ryan's high-risk pool in Trump care is corporate welfare and hurts Americans. Again, Paul Ryan's high-risk pools in Trump care is corporate welfare and hurts Americans. That is how they intend to ensure all of us who have pre-existing conditions. I, had a, I have a steel rod in my back one foot long. Before Obamacare, they offered me insurance and they said, yes, but the only thing that we're excluding from you is your back. So any problems that you have with your back, it is excluded. Then I got high blood pressure, the same thing. So remember, folks, once you hear that they're going to have within Trump care the ability to take care of the, uh, the, the people with pre-existing co- uh, coverage through uh, in pre-existing conditions, through high-risk pools, what it really means is that you are screwed. High-risk pools are much more expensive than regular insurance. And why throw everybody that's sick into a pool? It makes no logical sense. The actuarial tables will tell you it makes absolutely no sense. Yes, Wayne, our model of care for profit is absolutely corrupt. Wayne Penny, you're absolutely right. Anyhow, it is important that we understand that high-risk pools are nothing more than corporate welfare for insurance companies that ultimately we all pay for in addition to paying for our own insurance premiums. Look, Obamacare forced insurance companies to provide real insurance without cherry-picking the insured, which eliminated high-risk pools. My wife who has lupus, we had to pay high, uh, we had, her premium was separate from mine. We couldn't be on the same plan. We paid high-risk pools for her, which was much more expensive. 
And of course, I had my policy with that exclusion. What this means is that as opposed to just being a company skimming funds from mostly healthy individuals and profiting from doing nothing, insurance companies had some skin in the game. Paul Ryan again misled the American people about high-risk pools. High-risk pools, Paul Ryan said, when you have a high-risk pool that covers the catastrophic cost of people with catastrophic illnesses, the rest of the insurers, the rest of the insurance pool don't have to pay for those costs. So by directly helping support people who have pre-existing conditions with their catastrophic costs, all other insurance products don't have to price that into their insurance, and you dramatically stabilize and lower the price of insurance for all. That's a fraud. It's a statement that sounds good. It's a statement that is true on the top line, but it is completely a fraud. Here's the deal. To be clear, in some form or the other, most of us always pay for the decisions of our politician. Corporations always pass on their costs. Remember that? Firstly, we get nothing for free. The way our system is designed, corporations must always be profitable, and they are only profitable if they always transfer their costs to the consumer, by definition. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I have a software company. If my costs go up, my software price will go up. But we're talking about healthcare, life or death, something that should be a right, something that should be a human right, the right to health care. Anyhow, insurance companies make a bet. They bet you will, get, will not get sick. When you buy a premium from them, they're betting you're not going to get sick. I'm going to pocket that money. And you make a bet when you purchase insurance that, you know, I just may get sick. If you don't get sick, the insurance company pockets your premiums. If you get sick, they pay. The problem is, if they lose too many bets, they will pay out more in healthcare expenses than they take in in premiums. Common sense, right? Pretty much common, right? So the reality is that if we have relegated the ability to get healthcare to us making a bet with health insurance companies, and, they, and by charter, the insurance companies must always win that bet to satisfy their shareholders and CEOs, presidents, vice presidents, advertising, and all these little bits and pieces. You know what happens next? Obamacare told them that if they are really health insurance companies, they could not discriminate. To make things fairer, a mandate was instituted to make sure everyone had to have insurance. It was not the best, but in a system where most are still brainwashed into believing that free markets can work for health insurance, it was the best compromise. And for those Republicans that are listening to me here, my good old friends, please do remember, liberals are not keen on mandates. The Heritage Foundation, a Republican conservative think tank, are the ones who insisted that we have a mandate. It is insurance companies who insisted that we have a mandate. You want to cover everybody, then we have to have everybody in the pool buying insurance. And then further, what I need to remind folks about is within Obamacare, we had protections for insurance companies. If some insurance companies' pools got too sick, other insurance companies were paying into yet another pool that mitigated an unbalanced pool, if you will. So in effect, what we had or what we have with Obamacare is a guarantee for insurance companies to make money. Of course, the Republicans screwed them earlier last year when they got rid of the side rails to help insurance companies recover their costs. So when they talk about, oh, uh, Obamacare is failing, they're trying to modify Obamacare in manners that would make Obamacare fail. The protections Obamacare had in there for insurance companies, some of them did expire this year, were to expire this year, they expired it years before. 
So it is essential for most Americans don't know this. They just think, oh, my God, this is what's happening. No, it was by design that because the Congress and the Senate was controlled by Republicans, they passed laws that Obama was forced to sign to get other laws that he needed that actually placed Obamacare at risk. Funny, though, before I continue with the blog post, when they scored Trump care and said 24 million people would lose their insurance by 2026, but immediately 14 million people would lose their insurance, there was also a clause within the CBO report that said Obamacare was currently on stable ground and not at any risk of a death spiral. So when you hear Republicans, the president included, telling you, when they're telling you risk corridors, that's exactly what it's called, risk corridors, telling you, when they tell you that Obama, thank you, Maddie, and that was a good catch, uh, risk corridors is what he got rid of. When they tell you that Obamacare is in a death spiral, they're going completely against what the science, the math, computed by the CBO and others, including insurance companies, are telling you. That is something that we must keep in mind. Once, you're, once they're able to lie to you this way and continue to do so over and over again, how can you possibly feel confident in any plan that they may provide to you, telling you that somehow their plan is going to be good for you. And at the same time, they cut over $800 billion, and that is going to make things better. So you take $800 billion out of a program, and magically things get better. Folks, these are incredi- these, this is incredulous. And for those to believe that, those who believe these fallacies, they are willfully ignorant. And that's not a, I'm saying that respectfully. Willful ignorance is a real thing. It is like me being a Democrat, me being a Democrat, a left-wing liberal, wanting to believe that vaccinations are bad for you. Any study that I read that says something about a vaccination, I may accept. The good thing about it is most left-wing liberals, unlike what's portrayed on TV or elsewhere, follow the facts. Yes, there are a few lefty crazies, but most follow the facts. Continue with the blog post. Obamacare told them that if they are really health insurance companies, they could not discriminate. To make things fairer, a mandate was instituted to make sure everyone had to have insurance. It was not the best, but in a system where most are still brainwashed into believing that free markets can work for health insurance, it was the best compromise. But here is what Paul Ryan is saying. Within his Obamacare replacement, insurance companies will no longer have the burden of insurance those with pre-existing conditions. Instead, high-risk pools set up by the state, will be set up for the millions with pre-existing conditions. Now, I, don't, I wouldn't feel too badly if California was setting up a high-risk pool because I know they will know they'll have to put a hell of a lot of money into that pool. But Texas, Texas, do you believe Texas, a, com- a state that has allowed many of its citizens to die by not accepting the Medicaid expansion to Obamacare. Many Texans have died. One million Texans are without insurance that otherwise would have had insurance. It would have cost the state nothing, nothing for three years, and thereafter 10% of the cost. It would be cheaper than what the state is doing now, which is having to reimburse somehow or having hospitals and everybody to reimburse so, somehow the cost. Not only that, 
the economic disadvantage that has occurred from allowing the circulation of the billions of dollars that would have come with the Medicaid expansion meant that Texas did not grow as much as it could have grown. It was a fiscal disaster. It was a fiscal irresponsibility on the part of our elected officials, and so far they have not paid the price. So my question to you, those that are here in Texas, my question It's time for the week. So what are you going to do about it? And it's not only here in Texas, it's in Kansas, it's in a lot of other states that they decided not to take the Medicaid expansion to Obamacare. They killed their they kill their people. These are the same people that worry so much. They worry so much about the unborn. They worry so much about the fetus. They worry so much about the blastoma. And yet, real people, real people with illnesses, people's mothers who found lumps in their, in, in their breasts and couldn't seek a doctor because they didn't have health care. Where is the compassion? Where is the heart? But we've accepted it. Because here in Texas, we continue to reelect them. In Kansas, they continue to get reelected. We almost got that governor who governed his state like a complete conservative, and the state went completely down the drain. I did some shows on KPFT with businessmen who were in St. Louis. What's the city? Uh, It's not St. Louis. The city that, that's in two states, I think it's in both Missouri and um, Kansas, uh, they have the same name city. Anyhow, he, was, he left one side of the city to go to the other side in the other state because of how screwed up Kansas was. So, folks, we have to educate ourselves. We've got to spread the word. We have to be sure not to be willfully ignorant. It is easy to sit back and say, oh, well, I don't have a choice. Yes. Kansas City. Thank you, Michelle Banks. I even said the state, but forgot. Kansas City is in two states. You're right, Michelle. So, folks, it is our job. It is your job, not just my job. It is your job as well, because the only way we solve these problems is to work together, to work together. Spread these videos. You make your own. Uh, You make your videos. You tell your story. Send me a video with your story. Let me push it out there. You know why? That is, we can't depend on the mainstream media to help us out completely, although they have gotten a whole lot better now. I think they're, they've gotten better because Trump is going around them and they find themselves at risk. That is why I think they've gotten better. Anyway, continuing with the, with the blog post, Paul Rand is what, uh, but here's what Paul Rand is saying. Within his Obamacare replacement, uh, insurance companies will no longer have the burden of ensuring those with pre-existing conditions. Instead, high-risk pools will be set up for the millions with pre-existing conditions. This defies logic. If you put all the sick or likely to be sick people into one pool, then you do not spread the risk between healthy and unhealthy people, and it costs much more for every individual within that high-risk pool. Insurance companies can make more profits because They insure mostly healthy people. Think about that. In effect, Paul Ryan is picking winners and losers, something they claim they never do. The health insurance companies win, the American people lose. Why? We will pay premiums to the insurance companies, and some of the taxes we pay will subsidize the high-risk pools. In other words, In the end, the American people pay to insure health insurance companies are always profitable, and CEOs and other executives can maintain their inordinate, unearned salaries. We must not be fooled. Health insurance and specifically high-risk pools are giveaways to corporations, and they are doing so as they put our health and ultimately our lives at risk. Donald Trump, Donald Trump, hi, Janine, Donald Trump and Paul Ryan are playing with the lives of every poor and middle-class American. As MSNBC's Ali Belshi explained, the free market simply does not work for health insurance, period. And to be clear, 
while I am not a capitalist, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a person who loves free markets. I think capitalism, capitalism is by definition a fraud, but I'll go into that another time. But I do believe in free markets. My company, uh, my software company is in the free market, but it's not a capitalist company. It is a free market, freestanding, democratic company. But Ali Belshi is a capitalist, and he will tell you. He says, I am a capitalist, and I can tell you for a fact, because of, the stat, because of how health care works, the capital system, the free market, does not work with health care. It cannot work with health care. By definition, they're mutually exclusive. All other industrialized nations on the planet have found that out. And he, he asked when he interviewed a, a person, he said, please tell me, name me one country on the planet Earth that has any type of system, capitalist system, working in their healthcare markets. The Republican congressman could not name one. He could not name one. And you know why? Because it does not exist at all. It does not exist. Yeah, Janine, I know capitalism is meant to be regulated, and that's, that's what I am for. Regulated capitalism, though, cannot really be called capitalism, and it's sort of a play around with words and, and all that kind of stuff. I think, uh, for me, what I think is capitalism should only be a tool, not a system. It is a tool. You want to build a bridge. You want to create certain things. Use, uh, sell bonds, sell stocks. Use the capital markets for that. But there are certain things in the common domain that belong, there are certain things that, re, that belong in the commons. And I think healthcare, electricity, water, all those things should belong in the commons. It is a shame that now, uh, you know, the, the industry just made a big deal. Guess what is the largest, guess which is the beverage that is sold most around in the United States now, and I think around the world. What is the most sold beverage? And then you find out it's water. The most sold beverage on America is water. Is that sick or what? Water. Only in a capitalist system can you somehow feel that a corporation can be superbly profitable on selling something they get out of a river, something that they get from on the ground, something that belongs to us all, the commons. And a gallon of water is worth more than a gallon of gas. Think about that, folks. And even gasoline, even, uh, even petroleum. That's the commons, my friend. We should pay people to dig it out and their cost to recover it with a little incentive to do it. But that is your money. The profits from oil should go directly into the treasury. Why? Because it's the commons. It was placed there by whatever created the earth. These corporations had no special aim to the, to, to the petroleum that's found. What is there, why is it that only the few that decided to buy, to purchase stocks in these companies can take advantage of something in the commons and those who can't afford stocks somehow will never move forward with the riches coming from the ground? We got to think. We have to think. And more Americans, I think, are starting to think. Because if we don't think, we continue to allow them to screw us. So continuing, Chuck Todd recently pointed out that the new plan decimates coverage for all. But guess whose coverage gets decimated the most? The Trump voter. Do you think the Trump voter knows that? No. You know why? Most of the times they watch NBC, CBS, or whatever. That's fake news. You know what's not fake news? When you are able to talk directly to your folk. I have folks in my family who've, who've voted for Trump. I'll never stop talking to them and pointing these things out. Yeah, or they're going to fight back, but eventually they're going to crack. You know why they're going to crack? Because they're intelligent and eventually willful ignorance breaks. And reality has a good, a good track record in breaking willful ignorance. So, folks, 
Learn why single-payer Medicare for all is our future. Call your senator and Congress, uh, congressional representatives every day and let them know you do not want the Affordable Care Act repealed. Also, let them know going forward, let's start making H.R. 676 a reality. Medicare for all, if you do not know how to get in touch with them, Go to my website. I have a link to tell you how to go to your specific congressperson. Folks, remember this is a call-in show. The telephone number is 646-929-2495. Again, that number is 646-929-2495. And my regular, John, is here. How are you doing today, John? I'm good. Good afternoon, Egberto. Talk to me, my friend. All right. Uh yeah, I mean it's a good good opening. I definitely uh, agree. In fact, you know, one of the things that I in the new Fox poll, the the, the real highlight of that Fox poll was that, that Bernie Sanders had the highest uh, uh, approval rating of any American politician at a plus twenty nine sixty one percent approval rating. And the second best thing was that Elizabeth Warren had a plus eight uh, rating, which was the second highest. So that, those are the good things. The, the bad thing is it was exactly what you were talking about. Uh, they had a question saying, you know, is Obamacare in a death spiral? And unfortunately, it was 48% that agreed with it and 46 that disagreed. And so a vast majority of people think it is in a death spiral, despite all the things that you talked about, about CBO and all of the, the various uh, you know, great reports that are out there. I mean, there's no doubt that it's not in a death spiral. I mean, there are just as many people signing up. I mean, unfortunately, you know, we're going to see what happens. Uh, one of the main things that, that that's going to determine whether the insurance companies actually, uh, you know, sign up for, for coverage, and that's going to happen in April and May. This is when they start planning for, for next year, 2018, is whether they're going to have the individual mandate. I mean, if the individual mandate is, is definitely taken out, uh, I mean, it's going to be hard for those insurance companies. And then at that point, it's going to be, you know, a, a matter of really at, uh, convincing people what the, exactly what you were talking about, saying that that it, it's not in a death spiral. They killed this. The Republican killed this. If the insurance companies don't sign up for this, it's because the Republicans killed this. And right. you know, and that that has to really be the main message of the 2018 uh, election because I mean, you see, in the last two weeks, the Republicans are just being decimated by these, this plan because it is so awful. And you know, you see people like Mick Mulvaney, and I know he was talking about Trump's budget. But they don't right. care about anybody. They don't care about the average person. They don't care whether people have insurance. All they care about is, you know, their idea of, you know, capitalism and their idea of, you know, basically uh, sucking up to their their wealthy donors. And so, I mean, that's all that they're 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 concerned about. And I think that that's when they talk about healthcare and they talk about budgets. You know, they're they're a lot more in the domain, the public domain now, because obviously they they run, you know, the House, they run the Senate, and they run the White House, and so now their agenda is is up there, you know, in full flowering, and people are seeing that, and the reaction has been incredibly negative, and so you know, let's just keep up the pressure. I think the indivisible movement has definitely helped and made people made Republicans aware, I mean, even if this, this bill ha- passes the House, it's not going to pass the Senate. And one of the main reasons it won't pass the Senate won't won't be the same things why it hasn't ha- passed the House. It hasn't passed the House because of the, the Freedom Caucus, who are very right. conservative, and they want it even worse than it is now. They have, they're completely heartless. Uh, but the if it doesn't pass the Senate, it's going to be because of pressure from the indivisible movement and pressure from uh, people that are putting on, calling their, their Congress people, calling their senators, and telling them, you know, we want a better system. And, and I think right now there are, you know, between five and, and nine senators that are on the fence. There are enough right now. There are four, you know, from 
from the left that are saying, you know, we, we can't pass this. And so, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to pass, but you made a very good point. You know, if it doesn't pass, uh, it, we're going to have to we're going to have to try to get these insurance companies to stay in the markets and tell them you know not to. Uh, I mean, there's very you know all we can do is put pressure on them, but uh, yeah. you know Tom Price has a lot of lot of control. Let me tell you something. Yeah. So uh, you know, the way the Affordable Care Act was written, a lot of discretion was left and interpretation was left to the HHS uh, uh, secretary. And what that means is they have a whole lot of power. So just like the previous HHS power, uh, secretary did a whole lot in the way she interpreted the law, he is also going to do the same to interpret the law. And we have to be, uh, whereas even if this doesn't pass, and, you know, I, am, I don't believe it's going to pass, but I would not be surprised if it does, because, again, the, the theory is, if Trump loses on health care, Republicans lose all over as far as what then? I mean, he's the guy who came out and said, before we can get taxes done the right way, we have to get health care taken care of. And what they really meant is we have to give a whole lot of tax cuts to these rich folks. And the way to get some tax cuts to these rich folks right away is to get rid of Obamacare, cut the taxes that Obamacare cuts. You know, uh, I, I love when I don't remember who said it on, on one of the channels that Obamacare was, in fact, a, a redistribution, redistribution from where redistribution should have occurred from uh, things like stock appreciation and all that sort of thing. I mean, why not? If I'm sitting down at my pool with tea and I have a society that has allowed a stock market to grow. Remember, that stock market didn't magically grow, which then gave that tea sipping uh, pool, pool person the ability to sit down and just collect money, all of us in society, all of us, from the very poor to the wealthy, are instrumental in the, in, in the, in the stock market moving where it goes. So, again, what I think we have to do is, first of all, we have to break a whole lot of myths. And the first, and why I hit thought brokers and all these other people very hard is that, you know, people would say that doesn't correlate with health care. Yes, it does. Because one of the reasons we don't feel the necessity to suck it to those people with undeserved earned income to pay for society's health care is because we somehow believe all, those, all that income that they've made is somehow deserved. As I always say, my garbage man is worth much more to me than my stock broker. In fact, that was one of the reasons I dumped my stock broker. I couldn't see paying him 2% no matter what for the sake of, eh, he knows he didn't. I did just as bad. So, we, you know, I don't need to pay somebody to do as badly as I can do on my own. So, I mean, here's the reality. We need, we need to first assert our worth. On su Sunday in the morning, I think it comes out at 10.30 on Daily Coast, uh, the piece that I did on, on KPFT 90.1 on uh, Thursday is going to be on the front page of Daily Coast. I hope people read it because it's an important piece about health care, I mean Obamacare. And one of the things that I wanted to stress in there, and it's something that you just said, um, John, it is that, even when this stuff doesn't pass, if it doesn't pass, we have probably even more work to do. And the work that we have to do is to make sure that, because if it doesn't pass, what they are going to be doing is trying to accelerate the demise of Obamacare so that they can come back again and say, you see, we told you stuff, we told you so, now you must accept what we're saying. And that is what we cannot allow to happen. So we know, even if it doesn't pass, Secretary Price has a lot of wiggle room to force things to fail. And what we have to be ready to do is call him out on every single thing he may attempt to the people. And that is part of your job, America. That is part of your job. Because a lot of folks aren't going to be putting this stuff out there and saying, hey, Price did this. It's going to be you 
on your email list, on your Facebook, on your Tumblr, on your Twitter, you're going to be, have to be referring to deterministic sources for countering the crap that comes out of Washington. That is what we are going to have to do. John. Okay, yeah. I mean, in fact, one of the things that he did last week is he put out a letter uh, talking about Medicaid, uh, and let me just read a little bit of it. It says, the expansion of Medicaid through the Affordable Care Act is a non-disabled working adult with dependent children was a clear departure from the core historic mission of the program. Moreover, by, by providing a much higher federal funded reimbursement rate for the expansion population, the ACA provided states with the incentive to deprioritize the most vulnerable populations. The in- enhanced rate also puts upward pressure on both state and federal spending. So we are going to work with both expansion and non-expansion states on the solution to best use taxpayer dollars to serve the truly vulnerable. So, I mean, what they're saying b- about this is that basically – yeah, before, you know, our, our Medicaid rates were basically determined by the state. And like in Texas, if you're not, if you're just a regular single person that doesn't have any kids that, that are dependent, you can't even get Medicaid, period. Right. So what they're saying is, yeah, we're going to, we want this, what, what Obamacare did, which was, you know, uh, in 31 states where it's in effect. It, you know, it, it really helped people. I mean, it's just it's been tremendous the, the 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 amount of help that it's given to people. It's given them insurance. It's given them life itself. I mean, who knows how many people would have died if Medicaid expansion wouldn't have been put through? Oh, and I mean, so yeah, you know we what we have the numbers. The numbers, according to uh, I don't remember which uh, university did it. In Texas alone, over 2,000 people lost their lives last year because they didn't have the Medicaid expansion to Obamacare. So those numbers are out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, Harvard University has done a lot of different studies about this. And so, I mean, but, I mean, this is what, what I'm talking about when I'm saying rollback. I mean, this is their this is their mindset. Their mindset is we don't want to help people. You know, We want to help our donors. And one of the main reasons they want to help their donors is, you know, we were talking about, uh, you know, have a re, re, uh, redistribution of wealth. I mean, one mm-hmm. of the, the, the best things about the ACA, I mean, the best thing to me is the, the fact that you, uh, the Medicaid expansion, because that helps the most people. Right, uh, one right. of the Another thing that is really good about it is if you make $200,000, you're living uh, in a single person or if you if you file uh as a couple 250,000, you know, you have a pretty good lifestyle if you're making $200,000. And they the, the the tax that they put on that, that ACA tax is 0.9%. So basically, you're getting taxed a little under two thousand dollars to to help people get insurance, and that's mm-hmm. the main thing that they want to get rid of. It's uh, eight hundred billion dollars, you know, yes. over a ten year period that that they're taking away from the poorest people. It's it's reverse Robin Hood, taking away from the poorest people, giving it to the richest. And I mean, you know, people. That's just that's just so immoral. And, uh, you know, it is good to see that people are realizing how. I want to stop you right there for one reason, right? Um, People accept that, though. You said, when you said people are realizing, yeah, some of the people in our circles are realizing that. But I think we we have to take a two-prong approach, right? Because um, when the Republicans talk about the taxes that these people pay, they talk about, these people, they're er- on their earned income, they're asked to pay more than anybody else. And when you market it that way, it sounds like, oh, my God, we are, we are just taking their money away to do these things. For you know, We have to change the narrative. We have to first let it be known that the high-paid people in this country aren't necessarily worth the high pay relative to the low pay people who depend on Medicaid. In other words, we have to somehow establish humanity, the worth of every single individual because of our capitalist system and how it works. 
we have decided that stockbrokers are worth more than engineers. And as much as engineers provide much more to society than a stockbroker, we've decided that somebody who sweeps the floor, who keeps the hospital clean, is worth much less than the doctor who depends on that cleanliness. You know, we designed what these pay scales are going to be under the tenet that it's some market that did that. It wasn't the market that said a stockbroker needed to make the kind of income that he makes. That isn't a supply and demand thing, as they would have you believe. They set that standard. They set the pay scale as being a percentage of the wealth you're managing. That has nothing to do with demand. When CEOs are making several million dollars, that wasn't the demand for CEOs clamoring for that kind of a disparity in income from the average worker in that factory. You know, we are fooled all of the times in, 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 a, in a manner to diminish our worth and to accept that these people are godly. Now we've got somebody who claims to be a billionaire running the country, and we're able to see that even a billionaire can be, to put it bluntly, bat shit, dumb, crazy. I don't normally speak like this, on air, but I think there is no other way that we can describe what we have in this country today. The embarrassment that we had yesterday with our president next to Angela Merkel, the new leader of the free world. It was embarrassing, and the problem is that it does not only hurt Trump, It does not only hurt Trump voters, it hurts all of us as Americans. All of us pay the price for the minority in this country that have elected somebody that in no way, in no manner, should have been elected president of this country. So we have a lot of work to do. We have to convince people first of their worth including the Trump voter. We got to get to that Trump voter and let that Trump voter know that we value their humanity, we value their work, we value those things, that what they've been informed of, the misinformation that they get to believe that these others are somehow a threat to their well-being, that these others are the reasons that they're in the conditions that they are, when in fact it is the ilk, it's Trump and his ilk, that set the parameters that screwed the Trump voter. And he's doing it again. His budget, his, his Trump care, and everything that he is doing, it's not going to affect you, John. It's not going to affect me. But it's going to affect the Trump voter more than most every other voter. So, folks, It is our responsibility, and it's hard for liberals, Democrats, progressives to listen sometimes when I say we need to be friendly. We need to make friends with the Trump voters. We need to talk to them. I do it. We have to do it because we cannot cede other humans to the disaster, to the evil that is the Trump and with Trump and his people. We cannot cede those people. We cannot Seed them and just ah, let them go off on there. If we really believe, we are not like these folk. We, we are not the ones that profess like the Pharisees. Oh, we care so much about the unborn, but after the folks are born, we can't run fast enough from helping them. That's not us. That's not the progressive way. That's not the liberal way. So, my dear friends out there as well, liberals, progressives, toughen up. And go talk to them, Trump voters, and, you know, be friendly. Uh, Not only be friendly, be compassionate. That's what I do. You know, understand that they're fearful. They're fearing that somehow those others are taking what's rightfully theirs. They they, They grew up believing that they would never be in the situation that they were in because most of them are, you know, who they are. Together and all the rest are the others, John. 
No, I agree. I mean, and I think that you know the thing uh, that happened last last Monday on the the Bernie Sanders in uh, Trump country where he was in West Virginia. I think he really showed his compassion, you know, towards the those coal miners. And you know, also it was a great moment when when uh, Hayes asked uh, the audience, you know, do you think healthcare is a right? And almost everybody said yes. I mean, it was, and so I mean, I think that that, that people want this. They they just need to be you know made aware of of what the the situation is, and uh, you know, I guess we can can go from there. I mean, there's definitely a movement uh, that that's you know being it's it seems to me stronger than ever uh you know in this push for single payer and so i just think it's you know it's it's very important that that we talk about all the aspects of it and uh and you know eventually hopefully it'll come to pass uh but i mean it it was great to see that also on another yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. On another Bernie thing, uh, you know, uh, our revolution, I know that it happened a couple of months ago in, in Houston, but, uh, you know, in San Antonio, it's going to be uh, happening uh, uh, in eight days. We're going to have our first Our Revolution meeting. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, with Bernie with his high approval ratings, he's dominating, you know, soaring above everybody else, with Warren doing so well every, also. Uh, you know, I just see – I'm just hoping that we can really get a lot of progressives in because I think that that's where it's going. I mean, people – I mean, you know, I've, I, I respect the Democrats, and, you know, I think that sometimes there's too much, you know, talk about, you know – I mean, they're, they're definitely – I mean, you look at history, and obviously, you know, there was a, a fight to move towards the center, and I think in the last 15 right. years there's been a movement to the left, and that's been very positive – but you know, if you look at vote uh, about actual how people vote, you know, from the Gingrich era on, I mean, the Democrats, you know, do vote distinctly differently than the Republicans. And so, uh, you know, as we move, you know, Democrats to the left, I mean, you see people like Kristen Gillibrand moving to the left. You see a lot of people moving towards the left in the Trump era. And you know, hopefully, you know, they're, they're, people are going to realize that that's where what that's what the young people want. People realize that that you know this this era of of you know plutocrats and uh, you know basically taking money away from the poor, the reverse Robin Hood is is not in anybody's interest. And that's not you know when you look at the heyday. Of American economics, and it's from you know 1947 to 1973, and that's because right. tax rates were high on the rich, and more people had more money to spend. I mean, socially, you know, it was a it was not a great time, but I mean, it was also a, a time of movement. I mean, the civil rights era, and so I mean, you know, there was there was a lot of you know bad things on a social level, but there was also right. improvement, and there were People understood, you know, that this was – they weren't as greedy also. That's the under underlying thing that I think that you talk about, and it's this – you know, and Bernie talks about this also. Is it, You know, there's just too much greed in the world. I mean, you know, and, and what you're talking about when you, when you say everybody – uh, you know, know your worth, you know, and I agree with that. I mean, people, and also that's very important for people to come out and vote in 2018 because in the off-year elections, you know, a lot of uh, Democrats haven't come out to vote. So I'm hoping that all this, you know, negative things that the Trump era has, has put in place will motivate people to understand that your voice does count. Go out and vote. Try to elect the most progressive uh, candidate that's going to help you. And also, and if, if you do happen to be, you know, well off, then you know you should have enough empathy to to realize that, you know, this isn't just about me just because I'm well off. You know, this is about helping the working class, helping the middle class. And uh, so, I mean, I, I'm just hoping that that people will realize that. And it seems like the that it is happening, you know, it is happening. Yeah, now let, me, let, me, let me just put a little, a tad bit of thing in there, and I want to say this. I am I'm a bit disappointed with the Democratic Party right now, because, as you know, we don't have a bench. And in all the machinations that's going on right now, 
I don't see us doing what's necessary to build a bench. We picked new leaders, and the new leaders were all the same old people. Uh, we see that Tom Perez is doing the same things as far as building his advisory team, and his advisory teams look like your standard establishment Republican, uh, Republican. I'm not Democratic uh, base. I mean Democratic uh, establishment, which doesn't bring in a whole lot of the people who are the ones that have the passion for moving the party forward, which are the ones that have the passion for the things that America really need. I don't see that happening. What I'm, I'm mindful of and I'm happy about is so far, both in the, uh, in the Our Revolution movement and the, uh, in, uh, the, the, the Our Revolution movement and the other one, that can I believe indivisible movement, they're all defined as decidedly progressive and nonpartisan. And what I like about that, in as much as it is likely that they vote all Democrat or mostly, it leaves the door open that if for some reason the Democratic establishment continues to misbehave, that the policies that we are looking at within those two organizations, which is grassroots, filling up the precinct chairs in all the different precincts in Texas and throughout the United States with progressives, Eventually, working the grounds, working the grounds, it's hard work, it's slow work, but working the grounds to fill all these positions with progressives will not, uh, you know, the party will have no, no other options but to change. In other words, the party is not going to change because they, they feel a need to change. They won't do that. It's too, it, it is too uh, profitable for them. I mean, it's not only Republicans that love money. Democrats love money, too. Ask Schumer. They all love money. And when they're with Wall Street and Wall Street is giving them all this cash, hey, they're human and also they're fallible. And their fallibility shows from, from choosing Clinton, which, by the way, I just like to tell all my Clinton supporters, I went out for Clinton 100% after my candidate, Bernie, lost because I did the right thing. But... We should have elected, we should have seen the tea leaves, which many have been talking about before. America wanted a change. America wants a change. They know that they've screwed themselves with this change. Many do know that. Many do know that. But we must work going forward for a real change. That starts with you. That starts with, if you're in a precinct that doesn't have a precinct chair, go to your, to your Democratic Party in that state, in that city, in that county, and take that chair. It is that easy as filling out a form and become the precinct chair. And you know why that is important? Precinct chairs vote on, uh, in, in the interim, vote on bringing in more precinct chairs. They also vote on bringing in uh, the chairperson for that, that county. They do all these things. It's an important job nobody talks about. Be a precinct chair and be more. Call your congressman. Call your people out. We can make this change, but you have to be a part of it. You can't leave it for somebody else. And one other thing, and this will sound self-serving, but you have to support media that's putting this information out. KPFT. KPFT 90.1 starting on Thursday. It's going to have more fun drive. I'll be there doing my show. I will give you a real show, but we're also going to be asking at KPFT for donations to keep the station alive. We need $1.6 million per year. We try to have four of these, four or five of these a year. This time we're looking to collect $240,000. You guys call into these shows and donate. Keep them alive. The Koch brothers always support the right. Left needs to do the same as well. John, give me a quick closer before I have to get, get, get this shut down. All right. Definitely enjoy your show on KPFT. I've definitely given to, to them, and I will continue to give to them. So it's a, definitely a great, uh, great station. So uh, great show. Enjoyed it. A uh, lot of great stuff on EgbertoWillies.com. Go, go and check it out, and uh, I guess I'll talk to you on Thursday. And, Thank you very much, John. You have a great one. And Janine did a very important thing. Go to coffeepartyusa.com slash donate and make sure to keep that platform 
alive, our platform alive, coffeepartyusa.com slash donate. Very important for us to keep progressive values asserted. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. Thank you so kindly for having spent this time with me. You guys have a wonderful Saturday. And with that, we are out with Blog Talk Radio. My-